0: To the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. The morning, today's show may include adult language. And we're here, are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve Dewald.
2: Hey, welcome everybody to the newest episode of the Church of Tank. I mean, the Church of Roy podcast. Uh. I'm your host, Steve Dewald, as always, joined by my co host, Brian Wilcox. Brian, it's a new year. Uh, same Blazers, it looks like. Uh, how you doing, bud?
4: Happy New Year, Steve. At least we opened this year with the win. uh, Still undefeated, which, you know, Mm -hmm. you probably haven't heard that one yet. But we're here. And uh, coming off a nice win against the Hawks. Yeah, first
2: win in five games. So, I mean, a win's nice, but still things are are very much ugly for this Blazers team. But let's talk about a little positive because we do have something kind of fun to talk about. Um, Anthony Simon stepped into this void that's been created by – Damian Lillard's out with his ab injury, which we'll have a lot more on that later. And then C.J. McCollum is still yet to return from his uh, his lung issue. Um, Anthony Simon stepped into the void, dropped 43 points and became the youngest Blazer player ever to score 40 points, um, 22 years old. Went toe to toe with Trey Young, who happened to score a little bit more, but the Blazers pulled out a 136 131 win. Um, very impressive showing, uh, for Ant on, on offense. Uh, after the game, he dedicated the game to his grandfather who passed away the night before from cancer. So, kind mm-hmm. of just a real special moment. One of the few, like, positive, I, I mean a passing is never positive, but you know, a feel, a feel good story for this team that has been bereft of them for most of this year. So, um, Brian, what did you make of the game last night? what did you see from Ant that you like?
4: Man, it was a breath of fresh air, wasn't it? It was a fun game up and down. Um, Seeing Ant put in 43 on 21 shots was incredible. I mean, nine Mm -hmm. from 16 from three, this was the game that Neil O'Shea had promised. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Neil's somewhere sipping scotch going, I told him, I told him this was coming, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, in all seriousness, man, I'm really happy for Ant and uh, to do so after, you know, someone close to him passing like that must've meant a lot to him too. So, Mm -hmm. you know, good, good for, good for the kid.
2: Yeah. The, the point guard that was promised uh, showed out yesterday. Um, I think I was just really impressed when there was a point near the end of the, the second quarter and into the third where, The Blazers had a pretty comfortable lead heading in down to the stretch into halftime, and you know it really looked like they were just going to let this thing go, and Trey was heating up, and he had a bunch of points in the first half, and Anthony Simons went toe-to-toe with him. I mean, when you're talking about great young point guards, both these guys, same draft class, um, Ant looked the part. He he was doing a lot of Damian Lillard-type things as far as creating his own three-point shot, creating a ton of separation, which – I will always talk about his ability to create separation on offense. Um, He was really doing it. He was, you know, one-two step, off the dribble, three-point shots. I mean, everything looked solid. And unlike – and then there was kind of like this part in the third quarter where he was very clearly red hot. But unlike kind of the respect that Damian Lillard where, you know, he's clearly (laughs) top on the pecking order, like we had like some weird Nasir Little offense that tried to happen and like Nurk didn't even – you know, which Nurk had a great game, you know. but Nurk didn't even look outside. And, and I'm going, man, you know, if this was game that, that ball was would be going to him every time until he cooled off exactly. and, and for, for Ant to just kind of keep it going was really impressive. And, you know, outside of last game, I mean, if you look at his season this year, I mean, he is clearly really kind of making that jump. And a lot of that is just opportunity of roster depletion, all the COVID issues, but his scoring, you know, he's in double digits for the first time 12.9 points per game. Um, only four starts this year um, 43% from the field and, and right around 40% from three, 39%. And he's doing it at, at a higher volume. And we're finally kind of just seeing that he is taking that step. And especially when you think about a point that you brought up right before we recorded, is he's the same age as Damian Lillard was when he came into this league. I mean, he's 22 years old. This would be like him being a senior in college. So have you changed your mind or at least thought about, has his ceiling raised as a player for you? Or, or is it still about the same as what you've always thought it was going
4: to be? You know, I, I don't think I budge too much. I think after a game like this, there's a little bit of a, you know, recency bias we all like to place on it. But it is hard sometimes to not get excited over the guy when, he makes everything look so effortless, as you mentioned, and, and just kind of everything in his bag. And since his rookie year, he's he's shown flashes. Right. And, and like any young players, growth hasn't exactly been linear. But it seems like he's kind of taken a turn as of late and, and just seen him put all of it together for one game like yesterday. And, you know, put up 43 does make you reconsider his ceiling. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd be lying to you if I said I was <laughs> level headed about this whole thing. Yeah, man, I mean, a little bit. I, I think his ceiling has to rise after a performance like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another guy who returned to the lineup. I I mean, I, I mean, I guess before I get too far ahead of myself with Ant, I've always been a huge supporter. I I think I've always had a, a bit <laughs> higher version of where I think his ceiling is. Yeah. I, I think he's hitting it. He's hitting it at kind of an awkward time, but there could be as far as where he is, where the Blazers can negotiate and get a full evaluation of his talent before he heads into contract negotiations which he's heading into restricted free agency the Blazers will get an opportunity to match whatever contract he has if they don't agree to one prior to that so i don't think he's going anywhere but um you know i i, I honestly i'm pleased there are a couple things like he had a couple you know bad turnovers yeah. as far as just the the point guard part of it is always i think the last piece to come together but as his offense comes along and as the gravity surrounds him, those passing lanes become more open. Uh, the, the floor becomes decluttered. I mean, yes, it's going to come in his face, but like he's going to be able to look around and hopefully find some of those passing lanes. Um,
4: I think ultimately, far, I think ultimately that raises the ceiling too, you know, to be an elite scorer versus an elite passer. I mean, I think you're, he, he's setting himself up for success. Coming into you know developing into this high level score, and I, I just think the passing part of his game will come a lot easier rather if it's the other way around, right? And mm-hmm. so I don't know. Looking forward, I mean, he is still young, extremely young, as you mentioned, and it seems like he's been around a lot longer than he has, right? It just kind of yeah. seems like Simon's been around, but it's kind of with him coming into a, a new contract, it does make you think about what his long term ceiling looks like and where would he slot in on a on a really good contending squad. Um, and, I, and I know you're a Simon's guy, but
3: in your opinion, where do you kind of... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets
1: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms
4: apply. I have him ranked. If you could, In your eyes, could he be the second best player on a contender or the fourth? or kind of, Where do you see his absolute ceiling as far as being on a good contending roster?
2: It's so hard with this league right now for me as far as guard play because so many teams have really good point guards, especially... Mm-hmm when you're talking about offense, first point guards, um, he does have a little bit better size and athleticism than, than some of these other guards on the Blazers roster. So for that alone, I think it'd be harder for him to take him out of a postseason series when he finally, you know, hits his prime. Um, I think he could be, if he hits his true arc and hits his prime, I think he could be the second or third best player on a really, really good team. Um, I still very much, and something we've talked about on this podcast before, as far as roster construction, I prefer, and I think it's clear with the teams that have been winning titles, that it's a lot easier when your your best player comes from that shooting guard, small forward, power forward range. I mean, center yeah. too, but but uh, I think he could be, you know, the Robin in a best case scenario to a Batman. So, and that's pretty high praise. I mean, that is also if he, he hits his ceiling, like, the other thing I really like about him when you're talking about like postseason play is he does kind of have that Damian Lillard. He doesn't get too excited when all those three start dropping it. Like it's, it's like, <laughs> it's there's the facial, the facial expression doesn't really change. And I really love that. Cause I think that is just so much more of a, an F you when you're not, you know, there's not that huge outburst because when it does finally come and, and you, And, you know, you see this demonstrative play out of Lillard and, you know, he really makes a big facial expression. Like those moments are so much sweeter because the buildup is so much better. But I, you know, it's still so early, you know, and I am so biased when it comes to, to all things Anthony Simons.
4: That's fine. Um,
2: Now some other guys also took the floor last night. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, who we kind of hinted at earlier, um, put together a nice double-double performance a lot of swagger, mm-hmm. a lot of attitude um, really kind of established himself in the low post on, especially on offense. Like, I mean, he really was looking for contact, looking to finish. Um, and this is something, you know, that Brandon Goldner, who's also, you know, very active on Blazers Twitter has touched on in the recent days. It just comes down to consistency for, for Nurk. And yes, it's a, one of his early games back off COVID protocols, but you know, I, I want to get excited about it, but I also want to see it for a few games in a row. What What do you think of Nurk?
4: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, you know, he, I think he's at games like this previously this season, and, and then he's came out and kind of laid an egg. So mm-hmm. I want to see what he does the next few games and to see if he's kind of turned the corner this year. I'm still surprised that we haven't seen contract year nurk just really come mm-hmm. out ready to, ready to rip, you know what I mean? We might see highly motivated before the trade deadline. We could. Maybe that's the (laughs) nerd we didn't expect. But yeah, Yeah. you know, he's been. It's kind of been an up and down year for him. I think he's unfairly got dragged a little bit. I don't think he's played as bad as maybe some alleged believe, but he certainly hasn't. um, You know, set the world on fire. So hopefully, hopefully, the last game is sign of better things to come this year.
2: and then the other guy too of mention that we you know we've touched on frequently here just because they did give up two first round picks for him is Robert Covington, um, still an injury depleted roster coming off the bench, really just another kind of listless performance. I mean, not a lot on offense um, in a game where <laughs> you know where the the Hawks scored 130 points. There's not a lot of defense either. Um, I just really wonder, and it's made me think and I don't know how long the list is. And obviously I can't come up with one off the top of my head and, you know, with him so much in our face, I'm having a hard time understanding or, or, or picking one player out that you can look at a couple of years down the road, that you're happy. You traded a couple first round picks for a basically run of the run of the mill, high quality forward role player. Like, I just don't know if those trades and that bounty work out very often. Mm-hmm. Um, And usually, I guess the reason why – I guess the way they might not work out is if a team's going to chase that and putting two first-round picks on the table, they probably got a pretty significant flaw in the structure of their team to go after a player like that. And and usually it's – an issue like that is not something that can be fixed by just one player. But that's just like kind of my half-brained early analysis.
4: Yeah, I think you're correct in that assumption. It's been kind of bizarre to see – you know, even at the time I enjoy, I liked the trade. I thought that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we talked about it many times that I thought it was a travesty that Olshay hadn't traded a first round pick to go out mm-hmm. and get a guy during the Damian Willard era. Um, maybe except for a Flalo or something. You yeah, know, so, yeah. But yeah. that was, but, really, I mean, that's... that was more the LA era, right? Alders, yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I thought it was, you know, I, I really liked the trade at the time. It's just kind of been bizarre uh, to see him crater, but you do kind of, look at it from a thirty thousand foot view and you're right i don't think those trades really return okay. that kind of value and then you think about it, it's like well could you give two more up and get it, you know i, I just yeah. think but if you're trading two what's what's a couple more to get a really high level guy like a simmons or you know that hardened trade even and you know there's kind yeah. of like a tipping point there i think that you might as well feel cross like, over if you're dealing with
2: i feel like you're chasing something but like not really willing to like put you, you know, the motorcycle in top gear and really chase something yep. like you're, you're kind of half-assing it and you're going to get a half ass result. Just wasting time. gas. Yeah, yep, <laughs> exactly. You know? Yep. So I think we should turn obviously our focus. I mean, yeah, there, there's been stuff going on in the games, but let's face it. The Blazers are well below 500. They're much closer to the conversation of, you know, getting a very high draft pick than securing home court advantage in the playoffs. Um,
4: I got one more thing
2: on the Hawks no, game, Steve. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead.
4: So Trey Young going off for a career high, right? Was a career yeah. high? And I, so. Maybe. Yeah, I would assume maybe, so. Maybe Probably I'll close. Okay. <laughs> Trey Young goes off, which, you know, at this point, it's like nothing, nothing new, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy watching good defensive basketball, and it's been a few years since we've got to enjoy that. And I got to thinking, like, You know, as he's going off, I'm I'm thinking to myself, like, this isn't hitting me as hard as it used to. And so I looked up the five stages of grief and I was (laughs) was relating that back to the trailblazers. And, and, you know, a few years ago, I was certainly in denial. Like, yeah, "Yeah, it can't be that bad. Random random three-point stats. Then, you know, there's there's a lot of anger Uh, (laughs) just watching poor defense performances over and over. I moved to bargaining and depression. I think I've hit the acceptance stage where I'm almost like unfazed at this point when somebody just goes off, whether it's, you know, Harrison Barnes in the first game of the year or Trey Young in 2022, you just almost have to, you know, life's a little easier when you just come to terms with that something bad's probably going to happen defensively. there's nothing yep. you can do about it. I,
2: I don't think you're alone as far as Blazers fans that have moved into the acceptance stage. <laughs> like like I am I am fully in that zone. <clears throat> Excuse me. I lingered like, in
4: that anger and bargaining for a long time, man. But I've, yeah. I've moved past it.
2: Yeah. So so I mean I guess this is in the same vein here. Um, the, I think there's a very crucial stretch of the schedule coming up where I think you know we talked about tanking last week. I think this next stretch of games, this there's going to be an eight-game stretch here that, coming up that I think is really going to dictate what direction this team goes on. So Lillard is going to miss his second game with an abdominal injury, which we're going to touch on after we talk about the schedule a little bit. <laughs> but the Brooklyn game has been rescheduled. So basically this weekend on Sunday, the Blazers play Sacramento, and now they get a back-to-back against the Nets on Monday. So they play a back to back and then they hit the road for a six game winning streak against our six game winning streak, wishful thinking yep. six game road trip um, against some pretty quality Eastern conference teams. I mean, there are, I mean, Toronto and Boston aren't really what they used to be and, and the magic aren't good, but Washington's in the same tier, if not better mm-hmm. uh, Denver is better. Um, their record isn't blowing anybody out of the water though. Um, and then you have Miami, who's very good. You're going to play them twice here coming up. And then, you know, it's just a long road trip and a very, a team that's been very mediocre, if not bad, this season. And when you're talking about eight games and you're already, you know, eight games below 500 I think this is make or break time for this team as far as what they want to do how what their attitude is going to be heading into the trade deadline I think a lot could be dictated by this stretch of games um are is that looking too much into a random eight game stretch in the middle of the season or or is that making sense to you Brian
4: oh I'm following you um especially with the Lillard you know, him missing a second game, that all kind of hanging in the balance. Um, news that Nance just went into protocols. Guys mm-hmm. are continuing, you know, and, and obviously Portland's not the only roster in flux, right? You don't know what's going to happen with some of these other teams. So it's a little hard to forecast in that way, right? You don't know mm-hmm. who you're going to be playing on a night-to-night basis. But that kind of is one of those stretches where you could look at before the year started and, and just kind of go, oh, I mean, how many road games and, and that many games, that many days is is, is – going to be a, a rough go no matter what you mm-hmm. added into where this team is uh and the standings and it i think it's supposed certainly could be an inflection point for the mm-hmm.
2: franchise moving forward so on top of hanging over this kind of brutal stretch of the schedule you have Damian lillard who's going to miss two games as of tomorrow by the time most people are listening to this will be day of game day mm-hmm. um this ab injury is not going away the blazers flawed roster as of right now is not going away. Um, Sean Hyken, I, I believe is probably at a practice or, or a media availability asked Billups, you know, is there any plan to, to shut Lillard down for an extended amount of time as he recovers from this injury and, and Billups basically revealed that like, there's going to be a meeting between Billups Lillard and what we assume is Joe Cronin mm-hmm. about, you know, a potential timetable here and i think it's no coincidence that this meeting is probably happening right around this tough stretch of the schedule i mean that might be me tinfoil hat looking into it a little too much but it just all kind of seems like i i think if they do shut them down for an extended amount of time this is what i was talking about last week this is your built-in it you know ready-made excuse to to justify tanking yep. and if they get there They maintain the first round pick. Like we talked about last year, this is the pick that would go to the bulls in that three team trade that landed Larry Nance jr. And it also could very much decide the future of guys like Robert Covington of Yusuf Nurkic uh, of Larry Nance jr. Himself. If he's flipped again, Mm -hmm. Of some of these one year, two year contract guys that aren't might not be foundational pieces or pieces that are on paper, easier to move than a guy like CJ McCollum. Um, and a lot less hectic to navigate than a Damian Lillard type trade. Um, really, this could set the stage for, for everything as far as how they approach this Damian Lillard situation and this road game. Um, are we still on agreement on Team Tank and maybe shut Lillard down for a little while? Or what do you
4: think? Thank it. I, I'd really Thank like it. to see him just get healthy. I think is the biggest thing. You hate to just punt on a year, but feels like it's the best move. I was actually, you know, I hadn't even seen this hiking tweet. I think it was approximately 30 minutes before we started recording this evening that he dropped that bomb about uh, the conversation with Chauncey. And I'm a little surprised that it's out there Um, with it being out there. It kind of leads me to believe there might be some smoke there, but it's hard to say, right. Um, Which way they go. I know which way I want them to go. I think, Mm -hmm. I think it's the best move for the future of this franchise moving forward, even, you know, and really, like you said, it's that built-in excuse to make some moves, shake some things up.
2: And also, I mean, it could really just be – I mean, we don't know the tone of what Billups was in this conversation or, or how it went because it could just be one of those things where it's like, you know, man, we're not even looking at that right now. Like, we, if that's going to happen, it's going to be a conversation between Lillard and the GM. Like, I mm-hmm. we don't know. Or it could be – there could be, like you said, a little smoke to this fire and maybe it is something the Blazers are considering because certainly – you know, I don't. I don't know if Lillard is a lock to to make it as a starter in the All Star game. I've mean, a, a Hurley's been tough to clear. Scoring around the league has been tough for these smaller guards mm-hmm. um, this year. And also, just yes, he's played much better recently, but he had a tremendously slow start to the year, and it was very noteworthy. Um, a lot of people caught on that there was some struggles in Portland, so I think that's going to hurt him in the voting. Both in the fan vote, obviously. And then also, you know, with the coaches and the players too, I think it's going to impact where he stands. So if that all-star game is looking out of reach, uh, I could see them really seriously considering from all sides, maybe, you know, get the surgery out of the way or get him the rest he needs or or whatever Mm -hmm. remedy they go with. Yeah. They can move forward.
4: I would totally agree. And and Dame's not one to ever make excuses, but Kind of legacy wise, like oh, he missed an All Star game one year. Oh, that's the year he had the <laughs> app thing and he missed. Yep. you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I think there's an absolute truth to that. I'm not saying it's a ready made excuse, but it does kind of mm-hmm. fit a narrative that would be yeah. beneficial.
2: I mean, not even. I mean, I mean, yes, it's a narrative, but also, I mean, it's basically the reality here is this team kind of stinks. Lillard's yep. obviously hurt. Um, this might just this just isn't the year. Um,
4: and I don't, want, I don't want that to be misconstrued
2: that yeah, he's, yeah. he's getting no, no, shut no. down because he's going to the All-Star game. No, no, I'm not saying no, that No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, so, outside of the Lillard talk, I, I guess, you know, we talked a lot about the roster and what it could mean to this roster last week if if this team did tank or, or you know, preserve their first-round pick and maybe try to move some assets around, create some flexibility, get some new faces. Um, you know, today as we went to record this, John Canzano – Uh, you know, 750, the game, the ball face truth, also an Oregonian contributor um, really honed in on on the future of the, the ownership side of this Blazers team. And, you know, had an article earlier today about Paul Allen's legacy um, had a long segment on his show today. Um, Basically talked to uh, McGowan who is now with Detroit, a former, Uh, front man of the business side of the Blazers who departed Mm -hmm. earlier this year. Um, And basically just kind of talked to to him and highlighted some of the tough, very tough decisions this Blazers team faces in the next few years. Um, Obviously you have Damian Lillard's future, the potential for a, you know, a monster extension this summer. Um, You also have the Moda center who is creeping up on its lease with, with Portland uh, as far as the property goes. Uh, through 2025 um, there's going to be some decisions made on that coming up and then you know just also just the overall direction of this team and how they want to approach it in the coming years and we've seen jody allen the the and mcgowan made a very clear point to say that she is not you know the owner or the governor of the team she is the trustee of of paul allen's estate yep which I thought was a very interesting thing to make sure that was pointed out correctly. And and basically just talking about, you know, it might be in the best interest to, to honor Paul Allen's legacy by selling the team to somebody who had the same passion for the Blazers for basketball, like Paul Allen had. And, you know, I, I'm definitely in that camp. Like I've, I've seen enough of the Jody Allen era. Mm -hmm. I've seen enough of kind of an aloof owner, um, I mean, Paul wasn't, you know, a media darling by any means, but like we, we do we. I can't think of ever hearing Jody Allen's voice, honestly. Um, I think it's time for a change. I think it's time for a change in direction. Um, I think it's hard to get too far into the weeds on this without saying. Before we talk about this, because I think I don't want to alarm anybody. McGowan also pointed this out. I don't think his team's going anywhere. I think it's going to sell. I think there's going to be a new lease agreement i don't think the nba has any interest in moving this blazers team who has been a model small market franchise um i mean this is going back you know to the 70s to the 77 team you know the darlings of the nba that played you know an aba team and maintained the title um with team basketball against a star like dr j all the way up to you know a long playoff streak avoiding tanking Yes, there was an ugly jailblazers Blazers era, but the team moved past it and, and has really been a model franchise. I also think expansion's coming, something we've yep. talked about before. I, I think that's how Seattle gets its team. I think that's how Las Vegas gets its team. Um, I don't think it's going to be because the Blazers moved. So to be very clear, I don't think the Blazers are going anywhere. But would you agree that it's kind of? I mean, it's time. Like I, I don't know. I, I just don't see the value going up. with this team in jody allen's
0: hands hey guys it's perry here to tell you all about the new app we've been using here on the church of roy called spotify green room green room is a live audio only sports talk platform that's free to download and super easy to use you can start or join ongoing conversations watch games together react to the biggest news rumors and games you can even talk to insiders, athletes, and even executives in real time. All you got to do is download the free Spotify Green Room app on your app store. And the Church of Roy will be there every Saturday, bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific.
4: Yeah, I mean, there hasn't been any, any indication that she's really the person that should be running one of the 32 franchises of the NBA. Um, I, this is Konzano's article is kind of a bomb i was <laughs> yeah. i mean even the even that tweet reads it was not paul allen's dying wish that his sister own and operate the trailblazers or seahawks those franchises need to be sold and essentially really hammers home the estate thing but she's not the owner she's the trustee of the estate and um yeah i mean i, I think i've seen enough as well we there's been kind of a kind of a cloud over the franchise this last couple of years really since Paul's passing. And I, and I think some of that's coincidental, but um, she hasn't certainly fostered a winning environment. And it would be nice to get someone in here who who could.
2: Well, I think you just got to look, I mean, it's a smaller scale, but it's still the same point is, look what happened when you let a, a president of basketball operations who should have been on his way out, pick your new head coach on <laughs> his way out. And then you, uh, you know, you keep you, you let him pick the new coach. He got, he's on his way out. Now are you going to let an owner who probably should be on their way out, pick the new president of basketball operations, the new, mm-hmm. you know, the new GM. I, I don't think that's the way you want to go. Um, I would much rather see this team sell. You pick the new face of the franchise as far as you let the ownership, pick the direction they want, whether they want to keep Joe Cronin on board or, or whether they want to move in a totally different direction and, and vision for their team. Um, I think waiting here is potentially <laughs> a disaster. Like, I mean, I think that's how you end up with, you know, a coach who, you know, we're going to continue to give him the benefit of the doubt in his first year, but definitely doesn't look the part of a real NBA coach right now, and, mm-hmm. and is under contract for five years. Like, that's that's not great. Like, you would like an
4: out in that contract. Um, kind of makes you wonder, I mean, looking back, if maybe Olshay. That five year deal wasn't unintentional, right? That he was yeah. kind of hitching his wagon <laughs> to that coaching hire. The guy was a snake and he yeah. would do some yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite parts of this article was when Canzano uh, basically said that there wasn't, he didn't think for a minute that an engaged and passionate owner would have allowed
3: mm-hmm. Neil Shea oh.
4: to act like a certain North Korean dictator. <laughs> yeah. That was like, Oh my God! Yeah, a... I mean, you got it. Like,
2: I I am a Kanzano fan. I I know that that he's a very polarizing figure in the media landscape here. Yeah. Um, he's always going to put a little bit of that pepper <laughs> on, on his article, and that that was it for when I that was that, cayenne went, pepper, baby. That was I went. I one. went.
4: Ooh, uh, Kim Jong <laughs> Kim Jong Un <laughs> comparison. <laughs> I'm I'm all like, right, we, we haven't even gone that far. And nah, we, we nah. didn't have any love loss for like for I, for how I wasn't he, even conducting himself but man.
2: I mean, I wasn't even gonna mention up that, that part of the article, which happened to be maybe my favorite part of it as well. I couldn't but help I, it. I was like, holy I, shit. Yeah, exactly. So you know, <laughs> it
4: does sound like <laughs> doom and gloom, like so we're talking about shutting down Damien Lillard and this team needs to sell. <laughs> that being said, and, and at the uh and that the, the former President of Basketball Operations was like a North Korean dictator. Don't forget <laughs> yeah, that. And, and spitefully handing out five-year contracts. Um, uh, Simon's no, so had a nice game.
2: Yeah, Simon's had a nice game. I also, I will say this. Embrace the chaos. Like At least like we're going to see something interesting. I, and hopefully, yeah. you know, we see this team go in a direction where, let's face it, they're pretty bad right now. I mean, it could get worse, but likely we're gonna see some improvement after some years of stagnation, especially since the Western Conference finals run, it's at least gonna be different. Yeah. Like there's there's gonna be something that's gonna be different. And and I think when we talk about the schedule, and I think i will leave it at this, is I think when we're looking at the schedule in the next eight games, I think it will really dictate how fast we see those changes come. I, I think I think how they're going to approach the trade deadline is going to be dictated a lot by the next, you know, 10 games, um, including that eight game run we kept talking about. Um, I think when you see how they're, when you look at the team and you're Joe Cronin and and you're the ownership group, you, you look at how they perform there. And that's when you know how serious your phone calls have to be in mid January to get them to the point where they need to be by the end of February and that deadline comes up, like mm-hmm. you need to, I, I think the direction of the ship needs to kind of be set in the next couple of weeks. And I think we're going to see that. Sure. Um, and, and I think it's like I said, I think it's going to be something different. I, I think some change is not great, um, but I also think that some change here is necessary and I think could definitely boost some interest in this team. I think people just want to root for something. I, I think this season has been, not only a huge bummer because of the COVID situation and how the league has handled it um, or, or not handled it, I guess. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and I think fans just, even if it's a totally different direction, I think this team's ready to root for some more young faces or some new pieces, some reclamation projects. I mean, that's what made this team so exciting when LaMarcus left and that team left was you had guys come in, Al Aminu, stepping into a big role. You had Maurice Harkless stepping into a big role. Alan Crabb all of a sudden got an opportunity to shine. You saw these guys kind of just get their second win and their second chance and really, you know, carve a spot out. Now, some of them got overpaid, but, but, <laughs> but you know, it was exciting at the time. Like it was exciting to see those guys blossom. I think this fan base, especially me, I- I'm eager for something like that.
4: Yeah. After years of watching the same kind of, kind of thing, I I'm kind of embracing the chaos too. Mm-hmm. I I'll, I'm, re- I'm ready for some change. And, uh, I think this next stretch of games might be the catalyst to do that. All right,
2: man. Well, I think that's all we got today. I mean, a lot to cover uh, a lot of stuff. We'll probably still dissect on a future episode. It, a lot of stuff dropped right before you we went to record. Yeah. it did. Um, so we'll be, we'll be into the road trip next time we talk. Um, that's all I got this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Brian, anything before we go? Just
4: embrace the chaos, friends. We'll be here for you.
2: <laughs> all right. Embrace the chaos. I think that's the, the, the motto for today, might be the name of this podcast. So, all right, everybody, thank you for listening. Till next good, week.
4: Bye.
2: Thanks for listening to this
0: episode of the Church of Roy Podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod, and be sure to check out our live show on Spotify Greenroom every Saturday, bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific.